Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Welcome to another episode of Rock That Relationship. This season, we're talking all about breakups. And today, we're actually talking about the first six weeks. The first six weeks after a breakup, what does it feel like? What do you do? What kinds of things have you tried to get through that really tough time? So, Tracy, I'm really excited to be talking about this. As sad of a subject as it is, I think for me, the first six weeks was kind of a profound setting for me to blaze forward with my healing and mostly from learning about what not to do. But um, I want to know kind of what you think, like you remember, you know, thinking back to some of your, your significant breakups, what kinds of feelings came up for you during those first six weeks? Sad. Sadness. (laughs) Okay. Sadness. I mean, really, you know, each one is so different, right? I mean, there's, they're all sad unless you're really like, woo, get me out of here. Like that you're glad to be gone. But I had that experience one time where I was glad to get out of it, but otherwise it's been hard. And like the most recent was the, probably the worst for me. And I don't even know what I did the first six weeks. It's like getting hit by a hammer. You know, it's like someone just came in and bludgeoned you and you're like dazed. And I feel like you spend that I mean, you, you immediately reach out for help, right? I mean, I do because I'm a external processor and I like my friends around and everything. And so, I mean, I'm sure I called you immediately hysterical. Yes. Probably. Right. And for me, it's so odd because the last one, it happened coincided with a client who was in crisis. And so that actually kind of helped me like framed everything like, okay, well, this is horrible. Like I'm feeling awful, but it's not the end of the world and I'm not being threatened, you know, in the way that like a client is. And it, it gave me like purpose. Like I helped that client immediately, but then you have all that time to sit and stew and stew and stew and stew. And so it's very interesting because you went through this last breakup with me, but I met you, you know, after I'd really processed another one, the end of my marriage. And so those were so different. Right. And I mean, we've talked about it so many times, like that, the hours of the day and the, right. it's like you count every second and every minute. And I mean, I was working full time. I was working out. I was hiking a lot. I mean, hiking. Okay. That's what's saved me in so many situations and just having somebody around, which, you know, I have very good close friends, including you. And I rely on those people, you know, I, I reach out and, and like, ask for help because it does, I think for most people, it's that it's, it's not that you're afraid to be alone. It's not that people can't be alone. It's that you had this person with you that you really loved. And when you decide to be in a relationship, you invest in somebody, you know, when you fall in love, you invest in that person, not only emotionally, but time-wise, you know, what your plans are for the future. I mean, everything falls away. And I can't remember the name of this book, but I listened to it on tape of this, I don't know if it's a psychologist or doctor, but that this grief is just as bad as, you know, a breakup isn't just something to be dismissed, you know, it's extremely painful. And like, 
what a grief is grief and loss is loss, right? There's no comparing. You can't say, well, my grief is worse than yours, or this grief is, you know, this friend down the street is having something worse happen, right? Like if you lose somebody, whether it's to break up or death or whatever, it's loss, you know? And so the first six weeks of anything is just trying to, I think, get back on your feet or stay on your feet, I should say, you know? Yeah. Well, and as you're saying that too, I mean, you know, most people experience the sense of deep sadness and even if they're the ones who ended the relationship, right? Cause you know, this idea of I'm sad for the loss of the, you know, in some ways, like it, there's this feeling that the memories, the good memories will then go away because the relationship is no longer there. And the loss of the future, we had plans, not just we're going on a trip in the spring, but I had plans to grow old with you or retire with you. We had, we right. had life plans and now there's this sense of, of loss of that. So there you got the loss of the person, you got the fear of the loss of the memories because the further you get away from them, the fur, the harder it is to recall the details. And then you've got mm-hmm. the loss of the future. And that's really hard. And, and during that first six weeks, it's like you're trying to you know, balance all three of those sense of loss. And, and it's really hard, even if you're the one who chose to leave the relationship or end the relationship, you know, I have people who say, you know, well, I shouldn't feel that way. I was the one who broke up with them. Like, well, you can feel however you want to feel. It's right. still very sad that you're, you, you know, you feel sad you ended a relationship because of whatever reason. If you are sad, then it's okay to be sad. Well, you feel what you feel, right? Like, I want to feel good. I want to let go of certain things, but that's not always the reality. So I feel what I feel. And, you know, that's the thing. A lot of people don't want to have the feelings. So they do all these crazy things or jump to, you know, unhealthy behaviors to cope with like a breakup, you know, and Mm -hmm. this time, I mean, I'm 52 now I'll be 52 soon. Like I didn't want to do that stuff anymore. You know, I didn't want to jump to another relationship. I didn't want to not process. I didn't want to not go through it. I did. I really didn't like the pain. I really didn't like the sadness. And you heard a lot about it. You got a lot of texts and a lot of calls, but I wanted this time to work through it. So I don't have to go through this again, you know, or if I do go through it again, it won't be as painful, you know? Right. Well, you know, when somebody told me after one of my, one of my breakups was feel until it's all been felt. Mm -hmm. And I love that saying feel until it's all been felt. And I'm the only one who can determine when it's all been felt. If I'm crying two years from, you know, the breakup, that's fine. I'm still feeling it. The, The problem that I had come across for me was not feeling it was trying Mm -hmm. to numb it was trying to, and and sometimes people numb it with unhealthy behaviors. I wasn't doing anything in any of my breakups that was unhealthy, but trying to move on and say, get over it. The messages in my head, like you need to move on. You need to not feel this. It's been too long. You, You shouldn't be sad. All of those messages we're making it so that I wasn't feeling it until it was all felt. And then I end up just sticking that stuff in some compartment in my head, in my heart, only to have to deal with it later on. And, you know, so that's the hard part for me is what did I feel? It's, you know, it's, I felt, I felt all sorts of things. I mean, I felt in addition to sadness, I was, you know, shock, right. One day we're together and then the next day we're not. And like the, the whole idea of losing my identity with that, like being, being a couple with this person to, to not, um, shock of just what what happened? How did we get to this point? And like ruminating and like reliving memories and trying to figure out like at what junction did this go wrong? Um, and then it's just for me, it was also incredibly confusing. Sometimes I would, you know, wake up and think like, 
Like, what's my schedule? Like, what do I, I always do this right. on Friday nights and we're not together anymore. Or, you know, this person always takes out the trash and I'm now noticing the trash is overflowing. Like I better take the trash out. Like right. I'm just sort of confused. But I think one of the things that you and I have talked about and, and something we both can totally relate to is something called the witching hours. Um, uh, you want to share a little bit about what your perception is of the witching hours and how you handled those and what they even are. Well, for us, it was the evening because, you know, and I used to work nights, so I think it's different for everybody. Like for now on a regular, like a Monday through Friday, nine to five kind of office schedule, the witching hours are those evening hours where you suspend them with your partner. And now here you are either by yourself or you may have kids that you've got to take care of by yourself, whatever you, you don't have that partner with you anymore. And you're lost. I mean, I was just absolutely lost this last time. So I just went to sleep. Remember, I was going to bed at like 6.30 p.m. I would go to bed at 6.30 p.m. and get up at midnight because it like shifted my thinking. Like there was something about the evening that just caused me just immense suffering and I couldn't take it. And I was like, I I don't engage in unhealthy behaviors. So, you know, I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep and I'll just shift my schedule. Right. Uh, If I get up at 1 a.m., it's like a new day. So now I'm in a new day. Oh, I've made it. I made it through that day. I'm now in a new day. And like, I mean, I think after my divorce, the way I dealt with it was Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, I watched as many shows as I could. And I'll tell you, it's so interesting when you really get into that kind of thing, like you get really attached It's the same as a relationship. You know, there was a show on Amazon, the wilds, it was just about these girls that were in this strange plane crash. And I was so attached to them. And then when it ended, I was like, what? Oh my gosh, I'm not going to see these people. And I like, I can't you got broken their, up with, yeah, with your I, can't, I can't remember their names right now, but I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to see Courtney again. I'm not going to see this person because that was kind of my lifeline. Right. And, mm-hmm. and something that you and I both actually did was, and that's how we met was going out as painful as that is in all these situations is you gotta get out there. You know, I didn't want to date. I did. I haven't dated again. It's not about that. It's about getting out and doing the things that you like to do. And, you know, you got to sometimes get through some ugly situations to find the good ones. You know what I mean? You got to endure 10 ugly ones. Well, and when you're talking about the witching hour, so like for me, I, as much as I wanted to try, I could not go to bed at six 30 at night like you. And so Mm -hmm. what would happen is I would, you know, I would be home, I'd be working on something and maybe teaching and I'd look out the window and the sun would start to set. Mm. And I started to get anxious. Like once the sun goes down, all my friends go home. They all have their lives. No one's going to want to talk to me on the phone or hang out. I'm not going to have any work commitments or Zoom meetings. And all of a sudden, I am alone. Mm-hmm. And that was scary. And what I would do is anytime I could find a, you know, an evening, particularly an evening event, I would go because I did mm-hmm. not want to be at home during the witching hours. So if I did have a friend who wanted to hang out, yes, the answer was yes. But I mean, I was signing up for every Zoom social self-help seminar. And they were all in the evenings because I could not bear to look out the window and see the darkness outside. All I wanted to do was close my eyes and wake up the next day and say, okay, I'm going to get really busy with work again. I'm not going to have to pay attention to the fact that I'm lonely and sad and I'm going to make it through a day. And then all of a sudden we'd start over again. The sun would start to set and we were back to the witching hours. And that was hard. Um, And I didn't have a real formula for getting through it other than just, you know, in some ways trying to acknowledge that I was experiencing these witching hours right. in this way and I knew how it would impact me. And I had to try to figure out ways to 
fill my time or, you know, in your case, you, you went to sleep. Well, I went to sleep and then I would, you know, honestly that like, it's a new day thing was a big deal. And I actually was talking to my roommate last night, who's going through something similar and she's been busy, 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 busy. And she just said last night, she's getting exhausted, you know, mm-hmm. because it's too, I think there's a good thing about getting busy and doing stuff. And it depends on what kind of person you are. I mean, some people like that more than others, but at some point you just, you're going to have to sit with your feelings, but I don't think it's necessarily safe or good to do it right at the beginning of a breakup because it really, it feels like a bludgeoning. It really feels like someone has taken a hammer to you. I mean, that's how I've, I feel. It's like you're just devastated and you're, you're lost. And I think, okay, find some things until you feel okay sitting with yourself, but you know, therapy, you got to get into therapy. I think no matter what, like therapy is a lifesaver. Yeah. But the therapist is going to be there one hour a week, not, you know, for your evening hours or whatever hours that are the hardest for you. Some people, it's a morning because you had a morning routine with somebody, you know, having coffee and talking, right? And you got to switch it up. That's the thing. I think you don't end up doing the same thing that you did with that person. You got to find something new that's kind of just doesn't remind you of that breaks that in your mind, you know? Right, right. Breaks not just the, the idea of the person, but the cycle in which you remember the witching hours for me were significant in that we had, you know, for everybody I've ever dated, we've always sat down and had dinner together at mm-hmm. night and we made dinner and, and ate it. And um, I can tell you that that was a really important time for me to check in on our days. And so not having that was also, you know, significant. So what could I do during my dinner time to create a new routine? So that was the time that I would actually, I hardly watch TV anymore. Um, and, and so I watch a lot less TV when I'm, right. you know, when I'm not in a relationship. And so I would watch a TV show. I'd plop, you know, prop my little iPad up and I would look forward to every evening. I would watch a show and eat and eat dinner. I would cook myself mm-hmm. a full meal as if I was, you know, cooking for two. And then I would sit and I would eat. And I did this, I've done this every single time I've been single um, in order and, you know, pre iPad, it was just sitting in front of the TV. But you know, one of the things that we don't talk about much, and I know that this, you know, this is really kind of a case by case basis, but sometimes even though, you know, I know I felt very sad, every single one of my breakups, I have felt very sad about, um, and, and, and just heartbroken and trying to figure out how to move forward. But there's also been a small piece, just a small piece. that's also felt a little liberating. And I, and maybe, maybe I felt guilty about that because hmm. I'm sad and I, and mm-hmm. I miss that person, but I feel a little liberated. Like I can eat what I want to eat. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, I have an ex that doesn't eat this. And so now all of a sudden I can eat it. Or, you know, I only have to wash my clothes. I don't have to fold somebody else's clothes. I can stay out as late as I want. I don't have to check in with anyone or watch a TV show. I really don't want to watch. And it's like the little things. And so I grasped onto that liberating feeling like, yes, yes, I'm free. But then I, it came with a sense of guilt, like, but, but I'm sad too. And I don't know how to make meaning of the fact that I feel sad and a little bit liberated at the same time. So that in and of itself created a sense of kind of confusion or disorientation for me. Well, don't you have your term that you like to use simultaneity, right? Or the duality of people, right? The duality of feeling both sad and liberated or free or something, or maybe it's just trying to find the silver lining in something, right? Right. Because I've never felt necessarily that way, but I have felt like when I was in a relationship especially one, you know, that, I mean, I was married with, you know, stepchildren and everything. And I, 
I loved so many aspects of that. Right. But sometimes it was frustrating. And so you think in your mind when you're frustrated, Oh, when I'm, if I'm out of this situation, I'm going to feel so much better, but then you're out of it and you're like, wow, I don't necessarily feel better, but yet there are some benefits, right? Like, you know, I can now stay, I was driving home the other day at 1030 at night and I was like, oh my God, I just finished playing pickleball. I could play till 1030 at night. And I said, nobody (laughs) is going to tell me that I need to be home earlier or nobody's tracking my phone or my whereabouts or whatever. Like I'm a free agent. I can just do what I want when I want. Yeah. I don't need to fold anybody else's clothes. (laughs) You know, my roommate asked me to wash her towel the other day. And I, I was at first I was like, I have to, I don't want to wash your towel. Like it's my laundry, but you know, it's like those things, they are good, but it's interesting as a person because most people are going to eventually repartner. And it's like, how do you do this? Oh, I love being a free agent, but then you're trying to repartner and you're also, you were partnered. I don't, it, life is so complicated, right? Because I think it's more about when you're in whatever situation you're in, you've got to focus on what are the good things about it, right? So when we're in a relationship, focusing on what are the good things about this and really highlighting those things. And then when we're not focusing on what are the good things about this, you know, like where are we finding ourselves at this time and what are the things that we can find joy in, you know? Right, right. Well, and I think about too, when you give that pickleball example, it's this idea of, you know, you don't have to be home for anyone. The other, the other piece of that though is that you don't, want to be home for anyone. So it's not even like your partner might say, you can you come home by 1030? It's the feeling that I want to just go home and like snuggle with my partner. And therefore, I'm not going to go play pickleball. I just want to hang out with my partner. And those are good things. But we call that nesting. And sometimes we nest too much that we give up parts of ourselves. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if you can balance it and figure it out. But at the same time, this gives you a chance to explore a part of you that isn't pulled by anything external or internal. You know, by well, being... it gives you a place to find out who you are and what you want, which, right. you know, I have now for me, like, what do I want? Who am I? And to actually like yourself, right? So last year I said I was going to not date for five years. That didn't last <laughs> and I, a month. And I laughed, yes. <laughs> right? But like now I've been single for six months at this point that when we're taping and I have not enjoyed it and I was not my choice, but. I'm looking at all the good things and I'm looking at myself and I'm spending time with me, right? Right. And figuring out what do I want? And yeah, maybe sometimes I want to come home at 1030 at night. (laughs) Exactly. You know, when we think about too, is like, you know, we talk about these first six weeks, how we feel, you know, and and a lot of the things we're describing is kind of simultaneous feelings. As you're talking about one of my favorite words, simultaneity is when we feel things, we're experiencing things that might seem like they're in conflict, but really they make sense when they go together. And sometimes you can feel very sad and and disoriented and, you know, grieving. And at the same time, feel like a sense of kind of excitement, hopefulness and, and, you know, liberation, but it's still, it's hard. It's really hard. And I think back to all the breakups you know, like that I've had and what kinds of things have I done in those first six weeks to try to feel better, right? Um, Because the goal is to feel better. And a lot of people will do unhealthy things like, you know, certainly substance use or, you know, it might be, you know, any eating too much junk food or yes, you ice know, cream right. mm-hmm. or, you know, being, you know, kind of a social, you know, kind of reclusive and maybe, right. you know, um, but, you know, in, in my case, you know, I hadn't been very intentional 
about healing after previous mm-hmm. breakups. I just sort of was like, oh, well, you know, there's time will help me and then I'll move on eventually. And I, you know, in, in, um, you know, recently I've actually thought about that's not really all that healthy. And so I've been actually going through a healing plan that is unpacked pretty much every breakup I've ever had all in one setting where I am literally going through a healing process of every breakup all at one time. I'm pulling out stuff from 20 years ago and making meaning of it and trying to figure out patterns and understanding myself. And, and I, I actually, and Tracy, you know, because I'm really, you know, I'm the, the professor type. So I made myself a little list of all the things mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I tried to do in the last you know year or so, <laughs> but particularly the first six weeks that I tried to do to feel better. So let me share some of those with you and I'm going to get your reaction. See if you did any of these things too. Okay. So for myself, right. I did a lot of trying to make meaning, a lot of journaling and reflection. What happened? What, what did, what you, where did we go wrong? That kind of thing. I, I did a lot of crying, mm-hmm. um, you know, rolling on the floor with tears, mm-hmm. my cat meowing, not knowing how to help. Um, I did a lot of self-help seminars on zoom. I found out, you know, my attachment style and I found out all sorts of things about why I do what I do. I got a lot of therapy. Um, the mm-hmm. first six weeks I had a therapist and right at the, about the tail end of the six weeks, I also hired um, a breakup coach and actually to help me kind of understand a little bit more about how breakups work. Um, I also did things like, um, you know, focused on, on law of attraction. We've talked a lot about that. I, I read a lot of breakup books. I did podcasts. And then I did something else where I tried to, um, you know, remake some memories, you know, like not avoid places that I really liked because they had some kind of memories attached to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had um, a couple breakups in the same city that I live in now. And so there are places that, that elicit memories. So trying right. to, you know, kind of repurpose and think about new ways of, of being. Um, I went Wait, out. Oh, yeah. I have a question. When you say therapy and then breakup coach. So are those two different things? Well, you know, that's a good question. My therapy was really good because it helped me kind of figure out long standing issues that I had about life, right? Where I tried to understand how I process, how I communicate, how I might be showing up generally in relationships. The breakup coach really helped me understand more acute feelings that I was mm-hmm. having, like mm-hmm. trying to make meaning of, you know, particular instances. So I was mm-hmm. able to go back to certain moments in certain breakups and say, okay, what happened here? And try to uncover and, you know, and feel the feelings that came up and address those feelings. So, um, I had my breakup coach for, I believe, four sessions and then I moved on and, but I kept my therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really, really helpful to have a breakup coach who focused specifically on incidents or moments in relationships. And, um, and like I said, I was able to look at all relationships dating back 20 years and saying, here's some critical incidents that happened. And how did you even find that person? Like, is there, you know, yellow pages, like, you know what I mean? Like, like this wasn't your breakup coach, coach in Colorado or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't well, even in town. It was funny. It was a podcast I found about breakups online. Mm-hmm. And I listened to this woman and I thought, wow, she is making a lot of sense. And I clicked on her link and found out she is part of this clinic. This basically does their counseling and therapy. But then when they're out of state, they do coaching. And this was from Colorado. And I got matched up with this woman who specialized in same-sex relationships and I thought, well, this is really great. And I inquired with her and I, um, and I got connected to her. So, uh, that was really, really great. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I enjoyed both. I found both very, very useful. 
Um, a couple other things I did just kind of across the board, uh, you know, kind of a lot of people go out and like maybe get a new haircut or something or go on a weight loss plan. I, I was already pretty fit at the time and was exercising. And so the biggest things I did is I went and got teeth whitening. That was exciting. It was the first time mm-hmm. I ever had that. They are no whiter than they were before. Um, I, I even got a mole removed from the side of my face that, that nobody could really even see, but for some reason but it I was bugged like, you. the right. new me is going to be right. moleless. And, um, I changed my wardrobe. I always wear like hiking attire and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to wear running attire, even though I don't run. And I went and bought tank tops and I never used to wear tank tops. And I'm like, this is the new me. Um, <laughs> you know, and then that's so funny because you're always wearing those running clothes. And I'm always like, you know, and I have a certain thing I'm always wearing. Then you always have that type of running clothes on. It's funny. So funny. I would have well, thought it was like your whole lifelong thing. Like, no, it's brand new. That. I mean, just like I would have thought your lifelong thing was a, a white t-shirt and your not white. Cool. It's off white. My looks you like my what? grandpa's you, old t-shirt. You have like I have a, six of them. And then you have like 11 pairs of the same shorts you got from Kohl's. Yeah, because they're comfortable. Exactly. I've always thought you wore that. Um, Okay. So other things I know I did that were, you know, hiking and walking. I kept up with that hobbies. um, This was one of my funnier ones is I really enjoy Legos. So I pulled out my big bins of Legos I had from my childhood. And I spent every night for like the first three weeks of my six weeks building Lego art every night during when the sun would go down my witching hours, I would just start making Lego art. And then I would lose track of time, like a little kid and it would be 10 o'clock and I'm still working on my art. And that was how I passed a lot of the time with the witching hours. So interesting. I think yeah. pickleball is better, but you know, you have, well, you're probably getting more in shape, but I do have some really cool masterpieces. I've displayed yes, you do. You masterpiece. do. I'm not sure that's a little stretch, but um, completed items. Um, a couple other things I did. I did speed dating probably a little soon. I wasn't looking to meet anybody to date. I just wanted to know that maybe I was wanted. And was and that so- people like all over the country or was it? Yeah. Just- because Tucson, where we live, it's very limited. I know. Well, I did this online speed dating through, mm-hmm. and it was Zoom. And it was funny because you rotate in to each of these rooms and you get four minutes with someone. And I'll tell you that four minutes is like, is literally the longest four minutes of my life. If you're with somebody that you have nothing in common with, and then it goes fast so if you do, and then you can hmm. mark whether or not you want like a love connection, you want a friendship maybe, or you want like a business connection or no connection. And so I just wanted to see if anybody, you know, kind of found me attractive, you know, because of the mm-hmm. kind of self-conscious. And so I did that. That just was a total bust. I mean, absolutely. You bust. didn't like it. Did you get anything out of it? Uh, no, I, I just don't <laughs> think I could do it, but no, I mean, <laughs> even though I love dating shows, like love is blind is my favorite show yeah. ever. <laughs> I would have been on love is blind. I would have done one of those, right. I could have uh-huh. been like the lesbian bachelorette. I would have been right. all over that, but this speed dating thing, it was just like, it was, it has the potential to be really cool. It just wasn't for me hmm. at that time. Um, you'd think I would think four minutes, my God, I'm not even going to have enough time to delve into it. But then if it's like, you're not enjoying it, it's four minutes just drags on, but it's, that's very short. Oh, it, I would be like, short. I want it to be 10 minutes long, you know? Yeah. But when you, you know, when you get connected with someone, you don't just have, you don't, you know, kind of connect really? you're like, Oh so my gosh, you look at the timer, the zoom timer, and you got two minutes and 37 seconds left. And you're like, uh, Isn't that I like crazy on the wall behind you? Like, what are you supposed to say? <laughs> but that's what like, like time in life, like sometimes time just drags and drags. And when you've right. been broken up with every minute, every second seems interminable. But then like when you're just having normal life, it's like, whoa, how did that five years pass? How am yes. I here? What in the heck is happening? I mean, it, right. time is such a weird thing. Right, right. Well, and yeah, and I did think it was interesting. I kept in touch with a couple people for a while, but I don't, I'm not in touch with any of them anymore. 
Um, I did a lot of meetups. You know, Tracy, you and I met at the pool party. We've, if anybody's interested in our, our story of meeting, check out episode one in season one. We have a great story about that. But, you know, hosting meetups, particularly hiking meetups and walking meetups and things. I was able to meet some new people, reconnect with old friends. Um, some of the spiritual things I did were really interesting too. Um, I did some Reiki for the first time. I'd never done that. I went and bought some love crystals. I don't know what that was supposed to do, but I would hold them in my hand at night and literally just end up with like a sweaty palm and a bunch of, but you know what, maybe they worked and you don't even know it. Uh, Maybe they did. I mean, you're in a relationship now. And by the way, we used to hike a lot more. We were obsessive hikers back. I don't know if it was because it was fall or what, but like, you don't even know. That's what I'm saying. I have some moons. Work, I have moonstone hearts right next to me here. We don't know. We're grasping at straws. And all right, maybe all right. maybe it all helps. Oh, maybe, I'm maybe wearing a chakra I clearing. I know, I know. Clearing this, bracelet. I mean. <laughs> we're, I mean, you and I are willing to try just about everything. I even went at one point in that first six weeks to a meetup in a local park. And they had a labyrinth, like a, you know, like one of those on the ground, that's like a spiral labyrinth made out of uh-huh. lights. And then they gave us all these, you know, basically, you know, crystals to carry with us. And we had to say a mantra over and over as we walked this labyrinth. And, and then I left. I didn't know you did that. Yeah. It was very, uh, that sounds very, very weird. I don't, I don't know what it, I, it was like a full moon or something. I don't know what it was, oh but then I God. left and I'm like, I don't, I'm trying everything I can. Right. And then I went to a tarot card reader. This is one of my favorite ones. So this happened. Um, and you know, this, this story, Tracy, cause you're in it. And it's, mm-hmm. I went to this tarot card reader that I met at a psychic fair and she laid out my cards and she's like, Oh my goodness. Wow. This is a really bold card. And I said, well, it's a picture of a tower that's on fire and people are jumping out the second window to their death. She's like, you're going through a difficult time now, aren't you? <laughs> I said, I said, people are literally jumping to their death. Is this, should I be worried that I got this card? And so it was funny because the second time I went to see her, which was after the six weeks, I got the same card. I'm like, when is my tower not going to be on fire? But you also got a lawyer card. Tell that story because that's very important. Well, they said that somebody incredibly influential is going to be in your life shortly if you haven't already met them. And it's, and she, she looked at the card and she said, it's going to be a lawyer. And I had, Tracy, I had just met you a couple of weeks yeah. before and you are indeed a lawyer. And, and thought, they said, the lady said, listen to her advice. And you called me and said, do you think it's you? And I'm like, what other lawyers have you met? And of course you should listen to my advice. Exactly. And yeah. I've listened to your advice pretty yes, much ever pretty since much. then. Yes. Pr- pretty much, right? Right. Pretty much. Um, that tarot card reader had other interesting things to say that we're going to talk about at another time. Exactly. Yeah. As we move on, we talk about uh, healing and dating. We've got some <laughs> great stories to share. Um, a couple of the things I know I tried to do was, um, or I did was, you know, kind of repurposing the, the home in this last breakup. So my previous breakup to that, I left the, the home that we were living in. So I had a chance to sort of refresh and redesign but this, uh, my most recent breakup, I stayed in, in what was our home. And so, you know, everything kind of reminded me of our relationship. So, uh, I ended up, um, buying a new bed and that I just wanted something fresh and new for me. And I've actually done that in every relationship. I bought a new bed. So it's nothing really new. Um, I saged the house. Um, that mm-hmm. was, that was very interesting. Again, it's like the crystals. I have no idea what it did. I know I did that too. And I don't, I don't think I don't it know. did anything. I don't it know. It didn't really like do anything. much, but I yeah. got some ghosts out. I, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, but it was also interesting, you know, as I changed up some pictures and, you know, redesigned a few things, but the, the weird one for me was like assuming space 
mm. in the closet and dresser. And this happened, this has happened with every relationship. It's just all of a sudden you went from sharing a space with your clothing mm-hmm. together to now having all of that space at your mercy. And like I said, every relationship where I've lived with someone, I've experienced this where I've just sort of seeped into what was their space. And I found myself even the other day, um, going into a drawer where I used to keep my pajamas um, you know, a year and a half ago. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I haven't kept them there. And I put them right. in what was previously someone else's drawer. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, look at that old habits. I had to redirect myself to go over there. Um, so, I mean, I, I, this was six weeks, like Tracy, this was six weeks. And you're probably thinking, how did you have any time to be, you know, all up in arms and like, you know, thinking it's the witching hours. I'm so lonely. Right. So busy. Right. Right. I mean, but well, you kept busy too. Like, what are some of the things you did? I didn't do as much. Well, I was probably spending all my time with you. You tell me, what did I do? I don't even remember. I was literally, literally in a daze. I mean, I had work, right? So I could throw myself into work. Um, I did a lot of, you know, I did volunteer work. I did the, the regular work. Then I hike, I hike, I hike, I hike, mm-hmm. right? And I work out at the gym and I do those things. And I still, I mean, I, as you know, like talk on the phone hours a day, I text, I do all of that. And yet still, there was still time to just sit and think. And I actually, I don't know if I did that in the first six weeks or not. I probably did, but probably more going, ruminating over and over, speculating, ruminating, you know, all of that. So unhealthy. Um, And then I, I stopped doing that stuff. Yeah. But but we're only talking about the first six weeks. I really feel like the first six weeks are surviving. You just need, you don't need to be, you don't need to heal. You don't, you just need to survive. It really is truly. I mean, you call me a hopeless romantic and I guess I am in some ways, but it's to me, it's devastating, right? Like Uh when you're in love with someone, it's just, I, it's devastating. You know, so Uh Uh all you, all you got to focus on is surviving that. Yeah. And it's like the human heart, you look around the world and you think, what is all this crazy stuff happening? But then in your life, relationships are what keep you happy and keep you connected and all that. So it makes sense that when something that is so integral to your life falls apart, it's devastating. Right, right. Well, and I think too, when you're talking about this idea of survival, you know, as someone who is kind of a type A personality, as I'm sure our listeners have figured out at this point, my ideal of this, like he, what I called my healing plan was very much like literally this list I made was my healing plan it was trying to take control of as much as I could. So I didn't feel so out of control mm. because that feeling of trying to survive, it was because I felt out of control. And so I was trying to control everything down to like getting the mole, making the decision to get the mole removed. That was like, this is my decision. I'm doing it. And, you know, trying to get, trying to center myself again. And, and in some ways it worked, although I realized I didn't really have control over anything, but it kept me occupied enough to just make it through the night and wake up again and make it through the night and wake up again. And so while I'm not sure that it mattered fully, what was in the healing plan for me, having that plan helped me in terms of survival. And, and, you know, you probably ask like, okay, well, what even worked? Like I just listed a whole bunch of things from, you know, right. Level- teeth whitening, you know, I found that there were a couple things that just at the end, at the end of the day, these are the things that really struck with me. Um, I love the Reiki. I felt really centered with the Reiki exercise. I did that recently and I just slept through it. Okay. I know. Well, that's the thing. If you stay awake, you can, you know, I don't know, but I don't know. It's very relaxing. I feel sound asleep. (laughs) (laughs) She's got 
such a soothing voice, right? You <laughs> she know? was talking She's the like, whole I'm, time. I figure it's in my brain somewhere. <laughs> that's, I'm going to fill you with light and love. And I'm like, good, I need light and love. Um, you know, Reiki was good. Exercise, of course, was good. It created a habit for me, but also it just felt good. You know, social time with friends, you know, meeting new people. Um, one of the cool things that I really liked was, I mean, I had the support of old friends that kind of, that, that had known, some of them had known several exes back. Um, mm-hmm. And so they have like a much longer term context of who I am. But then I also had friends that had never met anyone I had previously dated and it was sort of a fresh slate. And that was right. kind of cool too, to have a mix of that. Yeah. Like me, uh, we hadn't met, I, I'd never met anyone that you had dated. And then like, for me, my best friend, she was kind of annoying because she kept pointing out everything about all my <laughs> ex- breakup experiences. And I'm like, my God, your memory is much better than mine. And it's really <laughs> annoying. And I'd like you to stop right now. I don't need to hear that. A little bit of a historian there for you. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're going to like to know that uh, one of the things that I did find that worked well for me was therapy and particularly the breakup coaching, having mm-hmm. two sessions a week where I talked about different things was useful to me. Um, I really love the books and the podcasts. And I know you and I fired those back and forth all the right. time. Like read this, listen to this, watch this, whatever it was. Um, a lot of great stuff, including the law of attraction podcast you sent me. I mean, that really did fundamentally change my life. And I, I love the principles of the law of attraction. That was probably and the it, biggest thing that helped me. Really? Well, and I have to say like the books on tape and the podcast, again, it's like watching the TV show where you, you feel like you're getting to know these people, you know, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, you really feel like, Hey, I know them. Like you, they're really helpful. You know, they're really helpful. And sometimes to hear, to have that piped into your ears, you know, yep. it's and while you can be exercising, while you can be walking, while you can be whatever, like it's so helpful. It's like another mm-hmm. friend. It's another support. It's, and you know, I just posted this on Facebook the other day about something, my hiking, I was about to puke on this hill. Cause I was going mm-hmm. so fast. And this guy like gave me a thumbs up and I was like, he just, he just spurred me to go faster instead of, you know, slowing down. And I got a great time, which is important to me. And it's like, we are not here on this earth alone and mm-hmm. we're not meant to do anything alone. You know, like people are meant to be connected to each other. And so when you're going through a hard time, it's okay to find supports. It's okay to reach out to friends. It's okay to listen to people that are the podcast people or the book thing. They're putting mm-hmm. that out there because they want to actually help people. You know, you're exactly. the person they're talking to. You are the person they're talking to. Right. Sometimes you listen, you think, wow, are they just, is it just me on this line here? Mm-hmm. But well, how you, about groups? Did you ever do any like support? Oh, groups? I did. I did. Do, I forgot about that. I did a, like a women's healing circle on zoom, mm-hmm. which kind of, you know, like I'm all about zoom and everything. I know we were in COVID, but it was kind of odd. Um, most of the people who had were in the group had been coming to this group frequently. So they all knew each other's stuff. Um, and it was, it was interesting because people would tell their stories and there'd be a lot of tears and a lot of like, you're not alone. And, and not everybody shared there wasn't time for everyone to share and I didn't I decided to just be a you know supporter at that point mm-hmm. but it was um I, I didn't find that I was going to get as much out of that particular experience perhaps if it was in person maybe and I had like an ongoing group to be honest with you I was in a writing group um and I had joined the writing group even 
prior to my most recent breakup. And I do this writing group every, every Tuesday night. And I just write, it's not a support group. It's just a writing group. We, we put a timer on and we write for whatever reason. I found that that routine of going to the writing group every Tuesday night was a more of a support circle for me than anything, even though we did, I'd never talked about any of this stuff. I just felt like there's a group of people who are cheering me on as a writer. And I feel like that's a really good thing for me right now. And I was able to seek solace in that in ways that like a particularly intentional support group didn't provide me. Well, I think that's what's so important because I went to that writing group and I set my alarm and I went to sleep and then I woke myself up and came back and I was like, you know, this isn't for me. Like Mm -hmm. it just didn't work for me, but I did coach Dorothy's get over your ex, um, mini, uh, bootcamp breakup. And I did it while I was at work too. So I couldn't fully invest, but being in that group helped me so much because you're hearing all these other people with very similar stories. Like to me, the worst thing is to be in isolation or to feel that I'm the only one going through this. And so for me, finding that kind of group, and and that's the thing, I think the point of this is you got to find what works for you. Don't keep exactly. going to a group that's not comfortable for you. Don't keep doing something. I mean, yes, okay, give it a chance. But like you and I, we hang out a lot, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't like to do that you do that would just put me over the edge. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, and that's the thing. You're right. Is whatever your healing is has to work for you. Because I, I can tell you, at, when I look back and I think what worked, right? I can name some of those things, and I just did. But what didn't work for me? That's just as important. So I can tell you, there were two main things that didn't work for me. Anything that was past oriented, other than therapy, like mm-hmm. like anything where I was like trying to figure out what happened, mm-hmm. trying to make mm-hmm. doing a lot of like uncovering investigation, which also led me down rabbit holes of like, right. with the past actually few breakups, you know, talking to friends, what is this person doing? Right. What are they up to? Are they dating anyone? Um, that wasn't helpful. It's never been helpful in any breakup. And I've decided I'm never going to do that again, because that's just not helpful. Um, and so that's kind of looking to the past. The other thing that I didn't find very helpful is looking to the future, trying to think about you know, I wrote that dear soulmate letter, like on right. two days after the breakup, like trying to right. think about what is my future going to look like? Who am I going to be with? And instead, the things that I found worked best for me were the things that were happening in the present. They were mm-hmm. making social connections in the here and now. They were finding new hobbies, new routines, finding new passions, um, and just enjoying what I could in life that I had. And so for me, it was trying to remove myself from slipping back into the past or trying to forward think so much that I would lose sense of feeling until it was all felt right Mm -hmm. now and taking stock and enjoying a little bit of the growth that I was having in the present. I think for me, that was the ticket. That was the key. I totally agree, but it's hard to do that. It's not easy. It's very, very hard. And you need a lot of support to do it because you know, we're going to talk in another podcast episode about, you know, the not being on the the social media and all that stuff. And that's crucial, I think, is just to not look into the past. Like, it doesn't help to be wondering and trying to find out and investigating what's that person doing. It just hurts, right? If If these people are meant to be, if you're meant to be with somebody, things will work out. But if you're just like hanging on and clinging on in this unhealthy way, you're just hurting yourself, you know? Right. Right. And I, and I think we go back to the same thing we talked about before is everyone's different. For me, I found what worked by trying a lot of things. Right. And some of those things worked for you, Tracy. Some of them didn't. Some things work for you that don't work for me, but I, I tried a lot of different things in order for me to figure out what helped me, you know, move through those six weeks, survive, and maybe even thrive during that time. I just remember what really helped me after my divorce was, um, going for pho 
because the Vietnamese people at the restaurant love me and I was learning to speak a little Vietnamese and just that's my like soul food is the pho, veggie pho, of course, vegan. But it was so, I don't need to do it anymore, but I was literally going like three times a week, which living in Seattle, I used to get pho like four times a week, you know, but here was a place where people, it was like going into my cheers bar and I would go alone, which is not very, I'm not a person who goes out to eat alone, you know? So but I never felt alone there because they were so friendly and always welcoming and wanted me to learn the language and everything. So that was very therapeutic or helpful to me. Yeah. Well, and again, yeah. if whether it's pho or it's Legos or whatever, right. You know, we got to find, find the thing that up. makes you feel good and exactly. do it and, and because just- you have one life to live and you're worth it. Exactly. Well, we are just, you know, about out of time here. We have had, I mean, another lively conversation about making it through that first six weeks. It's tough. You are not alone. Um, But we know that there's a lot of great support networks, a lot of great resources and a lot of great things out there to help make it through those six weeks in a way that's positive and productive and and healthy. So thank you again for tuning in for uh, another episode and get out there and rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships.